So are you really nervous or really excited? I'm really, really nervous. You may kiss your bride. Do you guys have anything you want to say to the bride and groom? Yes. It was a beautiful oh, wedding. It was gorgeous. Jordan and Claire, we love you hey. so much. Look, Crystal, look. Oh my gosh, Lacey. What? What? What are they? Where's everybody oh going? What, what? What are you? Oh my god, what's happening? What's happening? What? You got. Why am I going? Oh my god. Welcome today to all of our live churches, our network churches, those of you uh, joining us from countries all over the world at Church Online. You are here for the very first message in a brand new series called The End. You could say this is the beginning of the end. What we want to do in the next few weeks is we want to talk about what a lot of people are talking about. So many people asking questions about what's going to happen is there going to be an end of the world? Are we living in the end times? Uh, for those of you that maybe follow uh, the Mayan calendar, you may not know this, but according to those who study the Mayan calendar, there's already a date, a very specific date, and the world is going to end on December 21st, 2012. So be ready, because it's going to end. We don't know how it's going to end. Some people think it's going to end with apocalyptic floods. Uh, others think that uh, another planet is going to hit Earth and destroy us. Some believe that we're going to be seared by the heat of the sun. Some people think that aliens are going to come and overtake this world. But I agree with a small but reputable group that believes that we're going to be destroyed by evolving cats that get <laughs> thumbs and take over the world. So anyway, I'm joking about that. Um, the world is not going to end on December 21st. I promise you, it will not end. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows. It's not going to end then. If you are one of those that believe that it is going to end and you're convinced and you want to place a monetary bet with me, I will take that bet. Some of you are saying, but Pastor Craig, isn't that gambling? Isn't that a sin? Not if you're out of debt and you tithe on the winnings. I'm just, I'm just kidding. So I will take that bet. You name the price, you name it. Million dollars, whatever. We'll bet. We'll settle on December 22nd. When the world doesn't end and I'm right, you pay me. On December 22nd, if the world ends, well, you were right. <laughs> Right? That's just kind of how it goes. So uh, here, here's what we're going to do today. Uh, today, I want to start by building a foundation. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to build a foundation. And for those of you that may say, you know, I'm not really a Christian or I'm not a Bible person. I'm not religious. I'm not a churchgoer. You may look at what we're saying today and say, it's kind of weird. And I want to say just up front, you're right. It's weird. Kind of like the Bible that has all these prophecies. In fact, um, prophetic students of the Bible claim that about 20% or more of the Bible 
is actually directly or indirectly related to prophecy. It's predicting what's going to come in the future. And the events we're talking about today are weird, just like the Old Testament prophecies that prophesied that Jesus would come, born of a virgin. All these prophecies, and whether you believe Jesus is Lord or not, you kind of have to admit he did come. And there are a lot of skeptics who looked at these weird prophecies and say, wow, there's no way this could have been fulfilled if there wasn't a God. And so there are a lot of skeptics who have been transformed by the oddities of these prophecies. And what's crazy is that literally there are five times as many prophecies about the second coming of Jesus as there were about the first coming of Jesus. And we want to look at some of those things in the weeks to come. Now, there are a lot of different interpretations. Some people will believe some things, some will believe others. I'm simply going to give you mine. I'll tell you what I believe about certain things, but there are sincere Christians on all sides of these issues, and it's not worth fighting about. We can just talk about it, and I'll stay as close as I can uh, to Scripture and see what it says. So this week, I'm going to lay a foundation. Next week, we're going to look at what happens after Jesus returns according to Scripture. Where do we go as Christians, what's heaven like? Uh, how are we judged versus th those are not Christians? And we'll look at um, heaven and, and what eternity will be like. And then in the third week, we're going to take kind of a survey of the book of Revelation. And I'm going to pick what I consider to be the most important verses that deal with the end times, and we'll cover a bazillion verses and hopefully answer a bazillion questions. Today, we're going to start in Thessalonians, and let me give you the context of what we're going to study. Uh, these first century Christians were so convinced that Jesus was returning. They just knew he was coming back at any moment, like maybe Tuesday, okay, or Monday night, and they were freaking out because their relatives and their loved ones who had already died and were believers, they were wondering, are they going to miss out on what is to come? And so Paul was writing 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to kind of explain what would happen to those. And so we'll look at a big chunk of Scripture, and then we'll break it down verse by verse. Let's start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And Scripture says this, Brothers, Paul says, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe, here's the essence of Christianity, that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, we who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And that's what I want to do today is encourage you with this truth as we look at three reasons we as Christians have hope. The first reason, if you're taking notes, is this. Write this down. I want to study the return, and the good news is Christ is coming again. All of our churches, let's say that aloud. We're looking at the return. What is that? Christ is coming 
again. In fact, Jesus himself talked about this in John 14, 3. Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, what did he say? Everybody say it aloud. He said, I will come back. I will return and take you to be with me so you also may be where I am. Jesus said, I will return. I'm coming back. Uh, in the early church, they were so excited about the return of Jesus that they actually had a greeting that they would use with each other. Like when we see somebody, our greeting spiritual, right? It's like, what's up, dude? It's happening. It's going on. Their greeting, when they would see each other, they, they would greet each other, another Christian, and they'd grab the hand and say with faith in their eyes, Maranatha. And what that means is, our Lord is coming. Our Lord is returning. And there was this deep sense of anticipation from Christian to Christian. Maranatha, he's coming back. We should be anticipating it. In fact, there's scripture that says, those of you that long for the Lord's returning, there's a crown for you in heaven. Those of you that can't wait for him to come back, there is the reward of a crown for those who long for the Lord's returning. The problem is, most of us probably won't get that crown because people are so in love with this world that they don't long for the return of Christ. In fact, I'll be real honest, there was actually a time when I was praying against the return of Christ. When I was a, a kind of new Christian and I was engaged to be married to Amy, we were waiting until we were married to do the bunga bunga, you know what I'm saying? We were, we were waiting, and so like, there was like six months off, I was like, Lord Jesus, don't come back. Don't come back. Just, you know, give me a good month of marriage and then you can return and I'll, in your glory, and, and, but don't come back now, right? It's sad to say, but, but, but it's true. Maranatha, he's coming back. In fact, this is what Paul said in the Thessalonians text. He, he said this, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that what? Everybody read it aloud, that God will bring with Jesus. This is his return. Those who have what? Those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that there's a guy in the third row of church just bored? You're like, oh, sleeping Jesus. No, that's not what it means. What this is, is it's a uh, kind of poetic way of saying dead. That's what it means. It's those who have died. And as Christians, we don't technically die forever because we'll live with God. And so it's kind of a poetic way to say they're, they're asleep in Jesus. In fact, uh, I think that Greek word is used 14 times or so uh, in the Bible. In John 11, it's used of Lazarus who had fallen asleep or had died before Jesus raised him from the dead. Let's look at the next verse. Verse uh, 16 uh, in this text says this, uh, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Let's stop there for a moment, this is great. The Lord himself will come down. Remember, God spoke and created the world. There were times when God would whisper, this time when Jesus returns, what's gonna happen? There's gonna be a loud command, and the voice of the archangel Michael is going to shout, and the trumpet of God will blare. Why? Because the greatest victory in the history of the world demands the greatest shout from our Lord. The trumpet of God sounds. The archangel cries. The Lord shouts. And what happens? The Bible says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
The dead in Christ will rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? Well, remember, Paul was talking to the Thessalonian believers and saying, hey, your loved ones who were Christians and died, they're going to rise first. Now, this is where some people get confused, and so I want to go kind of slow and say, it appears to be very clear that there will be two resurrections. There's the first resurrection and the second resurrection. The first resurrection is for those who are Christians who will be raised from the dead. The second resurrection is for those who are not Christians. It's known as the resurrection of the dead, and they will be judged very differently. We'll look at this more next week if we have time. The Christians will be judged at the Bema seat, and they'll be judged for their good works to be rewarded. The non-Christians will be judged at the great white throne judgment. It's my opinion that you will not be there if you're a Christian. Only non-Christians will be there, and they'll be judged for their works, which will not be good enough. And when their name is not found written in God's book, the Lamb's book of life, then they will be punished eternally, separated from God, and destined for a very real place called hell. But we're talking here about the first resurrection, the resurrection of those who are Christians. In fact, Scripture talks about it this way in Revelation. It says, blessed and holy are those who have part in the what? In the first resurrection. If you're dead, this is the one you want to be in. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. And then the Bible says the what? Read this aloud. The second death has no power over them. The second death. If you're a part of the first resurrection, the second death has no power over you. What does this mean? Well, someone said this, and I like the way it's said. You can be born once and die twice, or you can be born twice and die once. Well, what's that mean? You can be born one time, and all of you have been born one time. What happened? Your mama screamed, she pushed you out, the doctor spanked you, you were born once, okay? If you're only born one time, you will die twice. You would die a physical death, and then you'd stand before God, and you would die an eternal um, spiritual death, and you'd die twice. The good news is, though, if you're born twice, you only die once. Now, you might say, how in the world can you be born twice? Well, your mama screams, she puts you out, doctor spanks you, you're born once. And then Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, he said that a person can be born what? If you know the answer, say it loud. He said a person can be born uh, again. You can be born a second time. How is that? Can we enter back into our mother's womb? No, you're born spiritually. You had a physical birth, and now you have a spiritual birth. When you call on Jesus, what happens is you are spiritually born anew. Your old life is gone, forgiven, transformed, made completely new. So for those of you who are Christians, a lot of people go around and they say, YOLO! Who knows what YOLO is? If you know what YOLO is, say it aloud. YOLO is you only live once, right? That's what people say before they do something really stupid. YOLO, ah, that was stupid, okay? YOLO, you only live once. If you're a Christian, you can say YOLO. You know what that is? You only die once. Oh, I made that up and you're sitting there all quiet like that. I like that. YOLO, you only die once. So what do we have? We have the return of Jesus. 
Christ is coming again. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. We have the rapture. What is the rapture? Everybody say it aloud. The rapture is when living Christians are taken away. It's when living Christians are taken away. Let's see what our text says. After that, the Bible says, we who are still alive and are left will be what? What are we going to be? We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. After the dead in Christ rise first, if that happens in our lifetime and you're a believer and follower of Jesus, we who are still alive will be caught up. Now this word caught up um, comes from the Greek word harpazo and it means to be seized, to be snatched. It means to be rescued. Uh, I'll tell a story to illustrate it. Um, Years ago when I was much faster and more immature in the Lord, I was at a lunch with um, all of our pastors and their wives and we walked out of the building and Pastor Sam had to leave early to go to a meeting and his wife Jamie was coming out of the restaurant when three guys in a pickup truck pulled up in front of us. Now, there's a spiritual principle that everybody knows. If you're young and no one's told you this, you need to know it, and that is nothing good ever comes out of any incident involving three men in a pickup truck. Anytime you see three guys in a pickup truck, just turn and run, okay? Just a principle. And so these three guys came up, and they saw Sam's wife, Jamie, and they said something very obscene. I mean, we're talking very obscene. And something in me just snapped. I was like, no, mm-mm. You're not getting away with that. So I'm not proud of this, but as they drove by, I just instinctively took off on foot, Pastor Craig pursuing at full speed three men in a pickup truck trying to flag them down to bring justice to them for their ungodly behavior. And so I'm yelling, waving, chasing. Well, Pastor Jerry and Pastor Kevin were happened to be there. And they're like, they're thinking news story, they're thinking dead Craig, they're thinking all this kind of stuff. And so they went and got in the church van and, and, <laughs> Kevin was driving, and by the time I got the guys pulled over, I was like, all three of you get out of the car right now. And that's when the van pulled up and the doors flew open, and Jerry came out and grabbed me and threw me into the van, slammed the doors, and sped away, okay? (laughs) Everybody say harpazo, okay? That's what it means. It's rescued. It's taken out. It's it's Jason Bourne snatched away, okay? It's, it's, It's you're there, and then you're gone. And this is what scripture says. Those who are still alive will be snatched away. You'll be rescued. In fact, there are generally four different beliefs about this rapture, and people debate as back and forth. Um, there's what's known as pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and pan-trib. Um, pre-trib would be those who believe that Christians are rescued before the tribulation, before things get bad. There's mid-trib, people believe that Christians are rescued in the middle of the seven-year tribulation before the second half when it gets really bad. There's post-trib, those who believe that they're rescued after the tribulation. Um, And then there's pan-trib, and that's those who don't really know but believe it's all gonna pan out (laughs) in the end, right? And uh, my personal belief is I believe in pre-trib, much because of this verse, that God in his goodness, harpazo, he rescues us, he takes us away, he snatches us out, he he is that good. In fact, Jesus describes it this way, this is pretty intense, in Matthew 24, verse 39. And I want you to pay careful attention to this, because this is how Jesus says it'll happen. This is how it will be 
at the coming of the Son of Men. You ready for this? He says, two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. He goes on to say, two will be grinding uh, with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Now don't miss the application of this. Jesus says, so you also must what? You must, say it again. Say it like you mean it. Come on, guys, be with me. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour that you do not expect him. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is really serious stuff that he is returning, that the trumpet will sound, and you must be ready because it could happen at any time. And when it does, in our context, it might mean this. Two people are sitting at the computer typing away. One is taken, the other is left. It could be that there's a whole family eating dinner at the table, and three are taken, and three are left. It could literally be at church, like right now, two people sitting side by side. One is taken, and the other is left. So be ready, be ready, be prepared. Be, be doing the work of the Lord, sold out for him. Not with half-hearted, lukewarm Christianity, but be ready, Maranatha. Our Lord is coming, he is returning. And, and for those of you that are nudies, you need to be forewarned. What's a nudie? There's two types of people and only two types of people in the world. There's clothies and there's nudies. You know what I'm talking about. You go to bed at night and there's only two types of people. There's clothies and there's nudies. You, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about all over campus. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Do I need to go into more detail? No. Now listen, if you're a clothey, raise your hand. You wear clothes to bed at night. Raise them up. Put them down. If you didn't raise your hand, you're disgusting. Okay. You know, I'm just joking. There's no judgment here. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. If you're a nudie, what you just need to know is keep some clothes close by. Okay. No judgment. You say, what are you talking about, Craig? This isn't just me. These are the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus said in Revelation 16, 15. Jesus said, it's read in your Bible if you read it. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and does what? Read it aloud somebody and keeps his clothes with him so that you may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Now, to be quite honest, chances are he was speaking metaphorically in their spiritual application, but just in case, he's being literal. Keep your boxers and bra close by, okay? Right? I'm joking around, but you better be ready. You better, better be ready. There is the return of Jesus. Second, there is the rapture. Third thing, if you're taking notes, and this is really exciting, there is the reunion. What's gonna happen at the re reunion? Would you all just read this aloud? The Bible teaches us a principle that Christians will be where? They will be with God forever. The reunion, let's look at what the text says. Scripture says this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18. We'll read this again. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. What are we gonna do there? Read this aloud. The Bible says to what? To meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine that? We're, we meet face to face the Lord 
who gave his life for us. We'll meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be what? Read this aloud. So we will be with the Lord forever. I want to come back to this. I want want to let this sink in. When this happens, you will be with the Lord for how long? For forever. We'll talk more about this next week, but I want you to think about what this means. You'll be with the Lord forever. What does that mean? No more pain, no more sin, no more heartache, no more brokenness, no more disease, no more sickness, no more poverty, no more starving children, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more cancer. We're talking you will be with the Lord forever. If there is any sort of tear, he will wipe away your tears and you will mourn no more. You'll be with the Lord forever. Maranatha, comfort each other with these words. Maranatha, our Lord is coming back. So what should we do if we're living in the end times? I'll tell you what we should do as Christians. We should dig bunkers and stockpile food and weapons. Why? So if things get bad and someone comes to our house, we can shoot them in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. No! What should we do? We should encourage each other with these words. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back to take us away. We should live with an urgency to share his good news. I was on a um, mission trip years ago to um, Ecuador with my family, and uh, we were with the um, leader of Compassion International, West Stafford, and we were in one of these most broken, impoverished places I've ever seen. Many of you have been to a place like this before. This particular house um, was for a single mom with seven kids. It was about the size of my master closet. It was about, and you know, it wasn't, wasn't big um, in, in, in our terms. And the water would wash through when it rained, the village picking up all the trash and urine and other stuff, and would wash it through her house because her house was on the lowest part right by the dump that smelled so bad the whole time I was fighting the urge to, uh, to vomit. And so we're in this house and I'm just overwhelmed with emotion. And uh, Wes said, Craig, would you like to minister to her? And I'm embarrassed to say, I just froze. I, I was just like, uh, I didn't even know where to start. And so there was this awkward moment, and then he kind of graciously stepped in and grabbed this precious lady by the shoulders and said, I know you love Jesus, and I just want to remind you, he's coming back for you. He's coming back for you. And one day you will be with him forever where there will be no tears. Your children will never be hungry again. They'll never be sick. You'll never be worried about them. No man will ever beat you. You'll be comforted by the Lord. And she's just bawling her eyes out. And my wife's bawling her eyes out. My kids are bawling. I'm trying not to bawl. Next thing you know, I'm in the middle of an ugly cry. You know, all this snot slobber. And we walked outside and... um, I was embarrassed. I was like, I didn't know what to say to her. And then he did this masterful God moment with her. And I was like, I'm a loser. And he said, hey, hey no, don't worry. He said, where you minister, you don't, you, don't, you don't have the opportunity that I do because they know how bad this world is. And so in contrast, they long for heaven in places like this. And I never will forget, he said, if the people in our world only knew how great heaven was, they wouldn't love this world so much 
and they too would long to be with the Lord forever. They would long to be with the Lord forever. I never will forget that moment. Maranatha, he's coming back, will be with him forever. So what's the application? What do we do with that? Okay, if you're a Christian, what do we do? We've still got to pay the bills. We've still got sick kids. We've still got all the activities. What, what do we do with that? Well, let me close out with a big chunk of scripture from 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, this is what Paul said. Different context, same story. He said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. How fast is this going to happen? In a flash. The twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. He goes on to say, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. In other words, when he returns, our physical bodies are going to be transformed into eternal bodies and we're no longer going to be mortal, but we'll live with him forever. He goes on to say this, the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Then... Here's where it turns to application. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory, not through our own religious efforts, not through our own good works, not through us trying to be good enough and stop doing bad things, but he gives us the victory through whom? Say it aloud. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about him and all for his glories. Here's the application. What do we do with this? Therefore, my dear brothers, what do you do? Say it. What do you do? You stand firm. Let nothing move you. Here's the application. Always give yourselves fully to the what? Everybody with passion. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. What is that? Serve him. Praise him. Worship him. Give in his name. Share his love. Live with intensity. If Jesus were coming back next Tuesday, how would you live today? That's how you should live, not for the lower things of this world, but for the things that matter most. He is returning. Maranatha, what would you do if he was coming back? You'd worship him. You'd live righteously. You'd share your faith. You'd be serious about your commitment to Christ. But what do we have? A bunch of lukewarm, apathetic, worldly, church-going people because we've forgotten the good news. Maranatha, our Lord is coming. Therefore, we should work for the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is what? Is not in vain. You can live a life that won't count in eternity or you can live for the Lord today and bring great glory to him. Maranatha, our Lord is coming. Let's all pray together. Father, thank you for your presence, your goodness. Thank you for the promises in the Old Testament predicting the first coming of Jesus and the even five time more uh, prophecies predicting that he is coming back for his church and then later even with his church. All of our different churches as you're praying today, um, I can almost be certain that the majority of you are a lot like me, those of you who are followers of Jesus, you just get tricked into being caught up into the things that really don't matter and don't last. And you're not longing for his return. You're not living like he's returning. You're living like this is all that really 
matters. It's so easy to get caught there, and most of us do all the time. Maybe right now your prayer is similar to what mine has been just in preparation for this. I want to live like he's returning soon because I actually really do believe that he is returning soon. I want to live with that intensity. I want to devote myself fully to the work of the Lord. May he increase my passion for his kingdom and for his name. At all of our different churches, for those of you who would say, I really have been a little passive about this, and I want to pray that he stirs up my passion to serve him even more fully for his glory and living for eternity. Would you lift up your hands right now, just all over the place, just lift them up high. Man, thank God there are so many. Father, thank you for people who really want to know you and serve you. I pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit would take these words from Scripture and seal them deep within our hearts. God, that we would know and believe and live like the truth that you are coming back for your church. God, give us an intensity to share your love with grace. God, give us a desire to worship you, to leverage everything we have for your kingdom, God. Help us to live fully devoted to work and serve you, to be ready for your soon return, to be encouraged, Maranatha, you are coming back, and to make an eternal difference with this one life you give us on earth. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, a lot of you right now, there's something going on inside of you and you're not sure what it is. There's, there's some tension. You, you realize, man, if this stuff is true, I'm not, I'm not ready. If Jesus returned right now, the trumpet sounded, I, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I remember the fear growing up, wondering, have I been good enough or have I have been too bad for God? Can I work my way back to him? But what I didn't realize is the scripture is really, really clear that on our own, we can never, ever be good enough for God. The truth is, that's why the gospel is all about Jesus, because God did something for us through Jesus that we could never do for ourselves. Jesus was born of a virgin. It was prophesied in the Old Testament so that he wouldn't inherit man's sin nature. He was without sin. He was the Lamb of God slain for the forgiveness of sins for the world. He became on the cross sin for us. He took on all of our sin. He died with it, and he rose again so that anyone, and listen carefully, that includes you. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Anyone who calls on his name would be changed. You can be born once or you can be born twice. Some of you, you're about to be born twice. It's the spiritual new birth. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll belong to God and no one can ever take you out of his hand. At all of our different churches, there are those of you who say, you know what, I don't know where I stand with God, but today I wanna turn from my sins. I wanna turn to Jesus. I wanna give my life to him. When you do, every sin you've ever committed will be transformed and you're about to become brand new in a moment, you're a new creation. All of our churches, you'd say, yes, that's me today. By faith, I give my life to God through Jesus. I give my life fully to him. Would you lift your hands high right now, just all over the place, lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Right back over here, God bless you. Others of you who say, me too, sir, bless you here. Both of you right back here. In this section, one, two, three, four, God bless you guys back here. I wanna see you, I wanna look at you in the eye, right back here in the middle section. Praise God for you, and right back over here, up close here, sweetheart. Welcome into God's family. Others today who say, yes, Jesus, I surrender to you. Back here in this section, church online, you all click right below me. Big hand going up right over here. Both hands raised up here together. God bless you guys. Welcome into new life in Christ. 
Everybody just pray aloud with those around you. Just pray, pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you with all of my heart, fully devoted to you. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you go crazy? Would you get loud? Would you worship God? Would you welcome those born into God's family?